0: Seamus, The Case of the Mason Jar, Part 11, The Bodies Are Found, is based on the book by John MacDonald, A Bullet for Cinderella.
1: I realized they were still talking, but I was no longer listening to what they said. Irene looked at me. I'm sorry, what?
2: I said I have to be running along. Can we talk for a minute?
1: A raw April wind was whipping Irene's hair in her face. Keller had a quizzical look. I looked around. Stucky could be near, somewhere in the shadows. Let's sit in my car a minute. I've got an idea about Leon's money. They both gave me an odd look. Sure. Mary Horseman has never been satisfied with her husband's disappearance. Persaud's satisfied and won't look anymore. When Lizette ran off with Horseman, Leon was out of town. Lizette was seen carrying a bag out to the car. Suppose that Lizette wasn't running away permanently. She was just going to stay the night with horsemen. She was too well known to go any place where people could see her, so she went to the lake with horsemen. She packed for overnight. I shifted my seat to look at Irene. Her eyes were big. Was it the time of year when there would be people at the lake?
2: Hmm, it was about this time of year, so Yes.
1: Leon came home. He started hunting for her, or just decided to go to the cabin before going home. He found them there together. What would he have done?
2: I see where this is heading. Leon loved Lisette and trusted her. I guess he was the only one who couldn't see what she really was. If Leon walked in on the two of them, I think he would have lost it. I, I just think it would have killed him.
1: He got rid of the bodies. He could have wired weights to the bodies and sunk them in the lake... But I'm more inclined to think he buried them. He was lucky in that she'd been seen at the inn with horsemen, and she was seen leaving with horsemen. For a long time, he was safe. He tried to go on as though nothing had happened. He played the part of the abandoned husband. And then somebody found the bodies. They didn't report it to the police. They went to Leon.
3: And put the bite on Leon? They demanded money and kept demanding money. When nearly everything was gone, he killed himself. So we have to look for somebody who has gotten rich all of a sudden.
1: Or somebody smart enough just to put it away and not attract attention by spending it.
2: Leon seems so strange sometimes. He said weird things I didn't understand. He was was like, you know, one of those bad movies where people laugh at the wrong places.
3: James, that would explain a lot. The more I think about it, the more logical it seems. The next step is to prove it. And that means looking for the bodies. I uh, I'd like to hear what Mrs. Horseman has to say. I'd like to know why she's so convinced her husband is dead. We could phone her if you could get her number. I think I can get it. You mind driving us to my office? We placed the call from Keller's
1: office on speakerphone. Keller briefly introduced each of us and told her he wanted to ask her about her suspicions.
4: How do you come into this?
3: I don't, really. Mr. Leon Vincent committed suicide last night. It gave us a lead as to what might have happened to your husband.
4: He was killed, and he was killed down there. Maybe that woman did it. I don't know. Now I hear that man Pratt is missing. I talked to him before he went down there. When are you people going to wake up down there? What kind of place is that anyhow?
3: What makes you think your husband is dead?
4: Draven would chase anything in a skirt. I knew it. he always come crawling back. The business with that Vincent woman was more of the same. It wouldn't have lasted two months. He had $14,000 in a checking account I didn't know about, some big life insurance policies, and a 401k that was nearly a million. That's all tied up. He owed payments on the car. The finance company has never been able to find the car. We've got two kids in high school. I'll say this for him. He loved the kids. He couldn't go two weeks without seeing them. Personally, believe me, I'm convinced I'll never see him again, and I don't care. None of them will pay out, unless I can prove he's dead. What protection have I got? I'm a secretary at a title company. Can't have him declared dead for another three years yet. Years I've got to get along. What about college for the kids? I tell you, you people better wake up down there and find out what's happened to him.
1: There was more, but she was merely repeating herself. The conversation ended. Keller hung up and looked at Irene. She shivered a little.
2: You're a good detective, Hunter. I guess I understand what Pratt meant out at the lake about you not being a writer.
3: Keller didn't appear to hear Irene's comments. He looked thoughtful. Suppose I'm the blackmailer. I find the bodies. What do I do? I make damn well certain that nobody else finds them and spoils the game. I want to do a better job of hiding them than Leon did. But I want them where they can be a threat.
2: We saw Pratt poking around at the lake. And now he's disappeared. That could mean that he found the bodies.
3: And found the blackmailer, too.
1: I found myself remembering the odd conversation with Leon. He had thought I was a friend of Stucky, cutting myself in on the take. It was obvious that Stucky was the blackmailer. I remembered the expensive clothes he was wearing when I had seen him at the inn. He had come to Labrook with the idea of finding the money Floyd had hidden. He had stayed in the cabin out at the lake. He made a point of telling me that the money wasn't hidden out at the lake. He had looked there and found something horribly profitable. But what was most convincing was Stucky telling me that he was certain Lizette hadn't taken the money with her. Lisette would have been a fool to leave as long as there was a chance Floyd was coming back. She knew about the money, but not the hiding place.
2: What should we do? Should we talk to Captain Wayne?
1: I stood on the lake shore with Keller and Prasad. We were in front of the place that belonged to Leon Vincent before he sold it. The wind had died and the lake was like a grey steel plate. Captain Wayne came out of the cabin with a young police diver. The diver had changed to diving equipment. She walked gingerly on the rough path in her bare feet. She looked serious and chilled. Wayne was pointing toward the lake.
5: Try to stay on this line right here. The water looks kind of murky. How's the light?
0: It looks bright enough.
5: This is
1: nonsense. The diver waded out into the water. It shelved off abruptly and she stumbled at the sudden dip and caught her balance. She moved forward and was gone, leaving a swirl of turbulence on the surface. The ripples spread and died away. Prasad turned with a quick, impatient movement and walked back to the cars. long minutes passed. The pines on the far hills looked black. The leaden water suddenly stirred. The diver came abruptly to the surface about 40 feet offshore. She swam to the shore and waded out of the water, dripping. She pushed the mask up onto her forehead. Well.
3: I came right up from where it is. It's about 50 feet off the water, half on its side, Illinois plates. The numbers Charles Thomas, 5851. Five, it's on a pretty steep slope. I think it could be hauled out all right.
1: After we found the car, Irene had gone back to town with Keller in his car. The tow truck arrived. The talk cable stretched down to the cold, dark water. They turned on the big spotlights that the police had brought in. When the sun began to set, they aimed the police cruisers toward the water with their headlights on. About 20 people watched from a place where Captain Wayne had herded them. More officers had started searching the area, prodding into the soft earth with long steel rods. The diver returned to the shore after hooking the tow cable to the car. She stood in the light with the water dripping from her wetsuit. The winch began to whine, the cable tightened visibly around the drum. The cable began to come in a few feet at a time. The progress was uneven. At last, like some surfacing sea monster, the car emerged backward out of the water. The big tow truck moved forward until the car was entirely on dry land. Water ran out of the car, running back into the lake. There was a smell of dampness.
5: Catch yourself, try off. The cold, weary
1: diver went up to the cabin. A stocky man in uniform opened the trunk expertly. The county police arrived about the time the tow truck did, and they moved closer. I could hear the spectators talking excitedly to each other. The floodlights illuminated the interior of the trunk compartment. There was drenched luggage in there and loose, sodden clothing.
5: Well, that's one place they ain't. The killer aimed the car at the slope and started it up. Hitting the water probably slowed it a lot, but once on the bottom, it would keep right on going down the underwater slope. I could see
1: a woman's red purse in the back end. Captain Wayne reached in and took it out. He unsnapped it and poured the water out of it. A corroded lipstick fell to the ground. Wayne grunted as he bent over and picked it up. There was a wallet in the purse. He took it out, shook the water off it, and opened it. He studied the soaked cards.
5: Mrs. Vincent's all right.
1: Body's got to be here somewhere. In ten minutes, the car had been lashed securely and towed off. I heard the tow truck motor labor as it went up the hill toward the road. Captain, shall I have the men keep looking? It's getting too dark to do much good. They haven't had any luck.
5: Might as well save it until morning.
1: With the show over, most of the spectators left. A wiry little man came over to where we stood. I told
5: you people to stay back there.
6: Don't you bark and show your teeth at me, boy. I want to talk to you fellows. Maybe you might learn something.
5: Get off the... Oh it's a deep. What's your name?
6: Finister. Bert Finister. Looking for bodies, somebody said? That's what you're doing. You should listen to me. I do chores around here. Most of the camps. Everybody knows me. Carpentry work, plumbing, masonry, put the docks in take them out in the fall. I know these camps.
5: So you know the camps. If you were hunting for bodies, Finister, where would you look?
6: Last year there, there was a fellow named Stucky up there. Guess he rented the place from Leon. People think they can DIY everything, but they botch it all up. Me, I take it like an insult. That Stucky, he was digging around, didn't know what he was doing. I figured whatever he was doing, it was something he could hire me to do. Then, by God, he knocks together some forms, and he trucks in cement, and I was damned if he didn't cement the garage floor. Pretty fair job for an amateur, but it was taken right out of my mouth, so I remembered it. He put that floor in last May. If I was looking for any bodies, I'd look under that floor there, because that man Stucky, he's a mean-acting man. I come around to help, and he chases me clean off the place. Walks me all the way up to the road with my arm twisted behind me and calls me a trespasser. Folks are friendly up here. That man, he just didn't fit in at all. And I'm glad he wasn't the one who bought it. Nice people from Redden bought it. Got two kids. I let them know when they want anything done, they get a hold of burnt finister.
1: We stood in the glow of the car lights. Captain Wayne looked at Prasad. Stucky. Runs the lumberyard
5: for Leon. Shall I go get him? We better look first, Sadiq. That cement floor fooled me. I went over it carefully. It hadn't been dug up and patched. It never occurred to me the whole floor had been... I saw a pickaxe in the shed. Maybe we should take a look. Yes, sir.
1: They parked the car so that the headlights made the inside of the garage as bright as a stage. Finister came back out of the darkness with another pick and a massive crowbar. The work began to go faster. A big slab was loosened. They pried it up heaved it over out of the way, exposing black dirt. The men worked silently. For a long time, it didn't appear that they would get anywhere. I was down by the lake when I heard someone call out sharply. The police diver came out into the night. She bent forward from the waist and gagged dryly. She stood up and coughed.
3: (laughs) Find them? (coughs) They found them. had said it's her. (coughs) He remembers the color of her hair.
1: Thanks for the lift, Captain.
5: (sighs) Stucky blackmailing Leon is the only thing that makes any kind of sense. What I can't figure out is how Stucky got it in his head to look for those bodies. He wasn't in this town when Leon killed the pair of them. Floyd wasn't here either, so Stucky couldn't have heard about it from Floyd. We have no proof.
1: I could sense the way his mind
5: was turning. He glanced at me a couple of times. You gave us some help, James. I grant that. But I don't feel right about the way you fit in either. I wasn't in this.
1: I was researching a book when this other thing fell into place.
5: You hit town and everything starts to pop open. Why is that? Coincidence, I guess. Maybe before you came here, you knew Stucky was milking Leon. Maybe that's why you came here, James.
1: Didn't know Stucky was here. Didn't know anything about it.
5: You're just too damn convenient in this whole thing. At that
1: moment, about a mile from LeBurke City limits, a call came over Wayne's phone. He pulled over to the side of the road and answered it. I could hear Prasad. It's
6: like he's gone, Captain. I put out an APB on him. All his personal stuff is gone. Should I set up roadblocks?
5: Roadblocks aren't worth a damn around here. There just aren't enough men and vehicles in this area to close all these roads. Wayne ended the call
1: and shifted in his seat to look directly at me.
5: Okay, James. You seem to know Stucky pretty well. Where would he go?
1: He wasn't a sharing kind of guy.
5: Where can we drop you off? My car's parked across
1: the street from Keller's office.
5: I'd like it if you'd play your cards face up.
1: I had thought him amiable, mild, ineffectual. Hour by hour, I had revised my opinion. I thought Prasad was the dangerous one. I was
5: wrong. I'm not hiding anything, Captain. Something is missing here. I'm sorry I can't help you. I'm sorry you won't help.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of Seamus. If you liked what you heard, please leave a review and tell your friends. This has been Seamus. The Case of the Mason Jar, Part 11, The Bodies are Found. It is based on the book A Bullet for Cinderella by John MacDonald. Hunter James was played by Tom Hinton. Zachary Keller was played by Nick Gordon. Irene Hirsch was played by Marsha Taylor. Captain Wayne was played by Patrick Bancato. Sudeep Prasad was played by Gordon Adams. The Police Diver was played by Gene Phillips Bert Finister was played by Oliver Rhodes I'm Leslie Woodrow. This episode of Seamus was written by Max Rees and directed by Tom Hinton Seamus is a New Meadows Media production All rights reserved